Hookers and drug dealers and like never a dull moment. Let me play my part. Check two eight. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. Do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder. Like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. Right. Never a dull moment. Never ever. I guess another really funny one would be uh we were let's see, we were in a place called Barrington, Illinois, uh playing a really cool club. It's an old, old roadhouse called the Penny Road Pub in Barrington, Illinois. And uh we were playing this place and the, the hotel that the club put us up in was just a shithole. Yeah. And uh and it was just it was covered in hookers and drug dealers and like, you know, kind of like just North of Chicago in a nice area, but just far enough out of town where this hotel could house all of the seediest characters, including the band that was playing at the bar that night. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I have never in my entire life been propositioned by more drug dealers and hookers oh, in a place that ever. And, and I, there was one of them that even said, I'm not even kidding you. She says, I have dentures. It will be the best you've ever had. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you. That's shit. You can't unhear, you know? No, you can't. You can't unhear that. No, nope, that's and donate generously at Kelly Nicole foundation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think any guest is going to top that with their, their road stories. Oh, uh. I don't know. This, this. So what do you do the next morning when you're like, okay, this is what I do for a living? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pick up the sticks and play, I guess. Exactly. Yep. I, I'll never forget that one. I'll never forget that ever, one. Uh, so uh, back to the music. I'm curious if you ever picked up any other instruments. Like everyone can play a guitar a little bit. Um, I, I can play guitar enough to be dangerous. I mean, it's nothing yeah. any good, but I can, I can certainly sometimes kind of convey an idea that I have to a guitar player. I, I mean, that's kind of one of the really important things about being a musician is just being able to to communicate with other musicians and, and collaborate. And, uh, and mm-hmm. there's, and that's, that can be a, a tough barrier, especially when you're in a new band, like trying to just learn how everybody likes to communicate musically. And, uh, and that's, that's one of the things that I, I try to strive for is to be able to, to communicate with uh, a bass player or a singer or, or a guitar player or, or a keyboard player, just to have a common ground where we can all speak to one another. But I mean, I can't, I can't play piano at all. I can't play. I mean, I can sort of play bass. Like I can sort of play guitar. Yeah. I, I, and I cannot sing at all. I was told no very screams. early. You never done no. a scream vocal that made it to a final track. No, no. Uh, oh. it, it was, uh, it, I was told very early on that I, I do not have a very good voice and I took it to heart and just said, I'm just going to play the drums. It's cool. Yep. Jeez. It's, I think well, drumming I mean, is so hard. It, it, 
It is, but at the same I can't time, separate it's... my right hand and my right foot, like do an offbeat with a kick. No, it's not happening. If it's not a downbeat, it's not happening with my right foot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it just takes practice. It, it just takes practice. That's what they say. That's what and they say. Well, and a lot of it. Did Fluff? T- yeah, did Fluff tell you he's on the? He's on the album too. In fact, with you because he screams on needing more and screams crazy. Oh yeah. And, uh, yes. Yeah, that's him. So he's uh, you know, the backup vocalist if you want to call it that. Awesome. Yeah, he's got backing vocals on that one. Locked down. You know, locked it down for sure. So wow, okay, 2005. So um what was your first impression when when Fluff sat down and like was telling you what the foundation was going to be. Obviously everything had just happened uh, with her life and stuff. Um, yeah. But knowing that she was going to be now this legacy that, that helped other people, what was kind of your first thought thinking back to your friendship with her? Uh, my first thought about it was that that's, that's, that's excellent. That's, that's something that should certainly happen just because uh, she's definitely one of those talents that, that didn't get to do enough when, when it would have been great that she could have, you know, got out and, and really done it on her own. Mm-hmm. But, but now that the foundation's here, I think that's one of those, those excellent things that like, uh, it, it allows for that to happen for, for her and for everyone that, you know, hasn't had a chance to hear the album or haven't had a had chance to see the documentary. Now it's just, I think, I think it's great. Because I, I do yeah. believe she, she deserves that. I would hope so. I mean, you've played with her. Obviously, I was I was there in her life, but not the type of person that would ever be in a band with her. Um, although she did ask me once, will you sing back up at local gigs? And I was just terrified. Like, what did she just say? These are not stock harmonies. This isn't the Beatles. Like, these are some these are some tricky harmonies. I don't know if she really means that. Uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. We ran out of time. But I mean who wants to wake up to divorce papers the next morning after a gig, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. So thinking back to making music with her, did you guys gig together or were you just in the studio? Just in the studio. Uh, it was one of those things where we we were going to try to put something together. And, uh, and for me, it was, I was, I was at the time working with two other projects and, and, uh, she was kind of trying to get things put together. And it was, it just one of those things where it was all, it was almost there. Right, yeah. right, right up to before she passed away. But it was, it was almost there, almost. And then she ended up getting, getting really sick. Yeah, that part I do remember. You were almost on the, you know, if there was a hate becoming two or now, you, you know, came close to us hiring you to be on it. So that would have been epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always, you know, whenever I see like an Instagram feed like yours or anything music related, and see that sea of people, I just picture. You know, her on stage was just this huge grin and hate becoming just thumping out of the speakers. I feel like she would have just annihilated at the highest levels, you know? Yeah. Yep. It would, it had potential and, and still could, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the music itself could definitely find its way onto our, onto our radio station easily. Yeah. And it's do been just on fine. A few local ones. Yeah. For Great. Sure. Great. Um, so what's your impression of like, uh, do you think ministry fans would dig uh, her album on iTunes and Spotify if they checked it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ministry fans are, are of some of the most open-minded music fans that really? I, I've, that I've met. Yeah. Um, what, what's great is like the, the thing that I, I really like about ministry is that with our management and with, with Al, uh, 
they do a really, really good job of, of coming up with bands that are going to come in and, and open the show on, on tours. And we've had some bands that, you know, they're not necessarily metal bands and they're not necessarily any type of like specific genre style band. Like uh, the first tour I did with Ministry, we had a band, uh, it's kind of an experimental hip hop group called Death Grips opened up the show. And I mean, they had their own their own fans that they brought with to the shows as well as our fans that would come to the show. And the, the way the, the, the crossover happened was, was fascinating because it would seem that most, you know, a lot of the ministry fans would, would absolutely fell in love with death grips and the death grips fan fell in love with us. So it was, it was, it was a really, it was a great win of the tour. And then the next tour, uh, we had a group called Chelsea Wolf uh, opening the show and they were, they're more of a, kind of a dirge like if you've ever heard uh Susie and the banshees they're they're heavily influenced by that like it's uh chelsea wolf uh fronts the band and they're very like they they down tune and and they they have very slow uh kind of almost haunting vocals and it's just it's really cool and and it doesn't sound anything like a band that you would expect that would be opening for ministry and and again, it was the same thing. Like she brought her own fans and we had our fans and, and they all basically, it, it was one of those things where I, I, I noticed that the ministry fans, when they get something handed to them to listen to, they're going to listen to it. That's cool. They're, yeah. I, I, I love that about our fans. I love that. I think that's the cool way to do like an opening band, not just to have like a you know ministry junior or yeah. another version of yourself who wishes they were you, but like, okay, you guys like this? Now check this out, you know? Exactly, exactly. And that's, that, to me, that makes a good concert. Like some of my favorite bands I like to go see live, the, the bands that are opening for them are, ne- are they're, they're never like, a, like, you, like you said, like a, a, that band's junior version of them. It's, it's never like that. They always, there's always a good mix of music to listen to that's, can they keep you interested for the, you know, sometimes you're there for four or five hours. If it's, you know, if you're there to hear the same style of music for four or five hours, it gets old. For sure. Yeah. Got to change it up. That's the thing about blues concerts. Like I love the blues and, and, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan and stuff like that is kind of what I grew up listening to, but man, it just, it comes a time when you can't hear that chord progression one more time or you're going to kill someone. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, It's just too much of a good thing sometimes. Yeah. So, as a drummer, can you talk a little bit about the difference between the technical chops and the economy of motion and all that versus like the feel and the emotional intuitive side of, of playing an instrument and being an expressive artist? Absolutely. Um, like economy of motion and stuff like that. Those are all things that you, 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 you kind of learn them, you know, because you kind of have to. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, but actually the most important thing that I always tell like students that I've had in the past is like, you've really just got to learn when to shut up and listen to what's happening around you. And that's when you can really start to express and convey feeling behind the drums is through, through dynamics and, and really just listening to what everybody else is doing and complimenting what they're doing on stage. We're like drummers are not melody makers. We are rhythm makers. So we're going to, if, if what we're doing doesn't make the, the melody makers feel good, then, then something's there's a disconnect somewhere. So it's, it's, it's imperative that, you know, drummers aren't just listening to themselves. They're listening to, 
they're listening to what the bass players laying down. They're listening to what the, you know, what the guitar players are doing. And, 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 you know, you know, heaven forbid that you ever trample like a vocal line. That's like the biggest no, no. Yeah. That's the biggest (laughs) no, no when playing the drums. Like if, if, if the vocalist is is singing something, you're not playing a fill, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's as Cal would say back in Tofist studios, don't step on my nuts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah that's yeah. the best way to put it. Yeah, that's right. Someone else, someone else, yes. backup vocalist and back. Yeah, I got a backup vocalist. His name is Wedge. He's doing? our tour manager. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Wedge. exactly what she used to sell. Or even with like a, a drum, a snare fill jumping over the top of a guitar lick. Like, hey, stay off my junk. This is my section. Make space for the band, you know? So that, that part's interesting to me is like, I wonder how many musicians like who are maybe just learning who think it's all about how fast I can play and how impressive and, and how technical and right. uh, they don't realize it's about listening and making the vocalist sound like a rock star that your job is to make someone else sound good. Like how many people never really get that? Yeah. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it, I think the, the, the big, the big test to that is whether or not, you know, where they are in their, in their career, if they're just listening to themselves or if they're just, or if they're spending more time listening to what else is going on and and actually creating, creating music as opposed to just trying to, for, you know, lack of another term, like blow chops and and try to scratch in the most notes as you possibly can. It's just, yeah, yeah, it, the, the, the proof is in the pudding with it. Like if you're, if, if you're, you know, playing to clubs with 500 people in them, or if you're playing in a club with, you know, a thousand people in there, that's, that says something, you know, if people Mm want to hear what you're doing, then that obviously means that there's, you know, something going on between all the people on stage musically. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So one of the things that was kind of unique about, about Cal's guitar work, he probably picked up on this pretty quickly. Um, was that like, you know, she had chaps and she always told me she didn't. She was like, oh, I'm more of an emotional player. And then I heard stuff from, you know, the late 90s, like, oh, fuck you, you can play anything. And she was just like shredding up and down and tapping and doing whatever. But she was like, okay, but you outgrow the showboat stuff and you learn how to play one note like it really matters. Yes, yes, that's so true. Um, I, 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 would, I would have to go back and say that just that's it the more I could reiterate just listening mm-hmm. and making, and making sure like if you had to, if like you were going to play your last note, like it was your last note ever. I think what I would do is I would, uh, I would make sure to uh, play something that was extremely, extremely tasteful. In fact, maybe even not even play it, just let it, uh, let it go. You know what I mean? Wow. That was deep. The notes that you don't play are sometimes the most surprising, right? Like in jazz, yeah. especially. Oh, absolutely. Some of my favorite drum fills are when the drums aren't playing. You know, that, that's, that even says more. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movie. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!